my name is Matt Brown. Start the show. Come on, baby. I got Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, baby. Things just happened. I got a great team. We have it. We have a man that feels good. Not man. One of y'all said the Chiefs were going to win it. And look at us now. The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. Just want to wish a happy Valentine's Day to all the lovers out there. And let's talk about a hell of a Super Bowl in Super Bowl 57. This game was very, very good. It definitely was on the way to being a classic. Then there was that penalty that took all the steam out. But regardless, it was a awesome, awesome Super Bowl throughout. A great matchup. Awesome commercials. A halftime show that will never be forgotten, to say the least. And all in all, it was just a great night in America. Super Bowl 57. It definitely lived up to the hype. So we have the crew and Alex, Alex, and Brian, the productive NFL crew, to talk all things Super Bowl 57. But before we get into that, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out on the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdComboPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So yes, Super Bowl 57 was a lot of fun, and we will get into all the nooks and crannies, the deep details, and the stuff that everybody can understand when it comes to the Super Bowl this year in Glendale, Arizona. With all the storylines coming into it with Patrick Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts, two black quarterbacks going at it for the first time. We had the Andy Reid Bowl, we had the Kelsey versus Kelsey story, so many headlines, so much to talk about. And it only resulted in a game that was so much fun to watch. It definitely was about to be a classic. And then we know what happened. So let's get the crew together. Alex, Alex, Brian. Let's talk all things Super Bowl 57. And uh, put a bow on this season. Next week we will have our... NFL 2022 to 2023 season wrap up and then uh, we will get ready for the off season and pick it up from there and then we have a lot more regular productive conversations after that so let's get to it Brian Brian and Alex it's yours guys turn once again let's talk about Super Bowl 57 the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Philadelphia Eagles 38 to 35 and let's talk about how all of that happened here we go this is a very productive conversation Super Bowl 57 is in the books. The Kansas City Chiefs win 38 to 35. It was a solid 48, or what was it? 15, 15, 15 equals, uh, 15 times four equals what, gentlemen? 60. 60. So it was a solid 58 straight minutes of great football. And the last two minutes was... Had the air taken all out of it because of that penalty, which we'll obviously get into. But we had interesting commercials, a halftime show that has a lot to talk about. And all in all, it was a great night in America. And let's take it all in right here, right now. Let's recap Super Bowl 57. Alex Renelio, Brian McKeon, and Alex Young are here. What's up, guys? How we doing? Yes. What's up? What's up, everyone? Do it. Good, I'm good. We're all good. And um, Super Bowl 57, let's talk about it. So I'm going to start it off with a simple question and answer, guys. I want you to describe the Super Bowl in a few words or less. We'll start with me. This was a very, very good Super Bowl. 
It was on the brink of being a classic. It really was. And of course, we had that penalty, and which we'll obviously get a little deeper into it. But besides that penalty, I think this was a very fun game. It really was. And as I mentioned, all the other aspects, what makes the Super Bowl fun, all A pluses there. It was a very good time. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree with you. Yeah, just an extremely exciting game. You know, um, a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. Both quarterbacks. I've never seen um, a Super Bowl where two quarterbacks both played that well before. So it was a true testament to their uh, development and their uh, their skill set. Um, yeah, just absolutely amazing. Yeah, uh, I was going to say a great battle, uh, but lackluster finish. Uh, but it was entertaining throughout. I was. I want to say I predicted that it was going to be a high score game. It ended up being exactly the game I wanted it to be. Uh, Just a back and forth battle. Um, It was exciting, but yeah, just, uh, you know, to have it end the way it kind of ended and we'll talk about it. Um, Just made it kind of suck the drama out of the end of the game there. But like I said, great battle. There's a lackluster finish. I think um, what Matt said was perfectly spot on about 58 minutes of great football. It was exciting. It was riveting. Had a little bit of everything from both sides. I found it fascinating that both teams beat each other with their weaker link. The Kansas City outran uh, Philadelphia, and Philadelphia outpassed KC, which was really funny. But uh, we'll get more into it. Yeah, and I am so glad I was wrong in my prediction. And, of course, everybody who's commenting, thanks for reminding me about that and all of us. But the Kansas City Chiefs, they win their <laughs> second Super Bowl in four years. Patrick Mahomes gets a second Super Bowl MVP. Andy Reid overcomes the one team that was casting a shadow over him, and he defeats them. How poetic does it get than that? The Kelsey brothers both played a good game as well. And like I said, I've been looking forward to discussing all of this um, right now. So one thing I want to talk about, too is before we get into that penalty, how close did they get that fake script score? The one that was, they said it was 37-34 Eagles? That was very, that was uh, way too close for comfort. Um, But whoever called that, and whoever were the silly people who um, actually made that score, I heard something like like $500,000 was actually bet on that final score. And, that was that, that really was oddly close, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. an eerie feeling on that. Yeah. Very weird. Yeah, and if that happened, um well, well I, I don't know. You can't take anything seriously ever again. Okay. But next up though, that penalty. So in the final two minutes of the fourth quarter, we see the Eagles run down the um, running down the uh, running down the field thanks to a Kadarius Tony punt return, and a, and on third down, we have a pay, we have Patrick Holmes throwing to Juju Smith Schuster, and Brad James Bradbury, the former Giant, held on to his jersey. And let's say even though if he didn't touch it, I don't think uh, Juju was going to make that catch. But we we heard it all day. Was this a borderline penalty? Yes. Could it have been called? Yes. Could it have not been called? No. But ultimately, in the rules of the game, it was a defensive holding call. And they got it. That obviously resetted the uh, set of downs, and ultimately the the Chiefs didn't score a touchdown. They scored a field goal, and that they let the clock run down. Only gave Jalen Hurts one more play after that, and uh, a hail mary that was very very short to say the least. But yeah, as we mentioned, this was the call that totally took the air out of the balloon and uh, made this classic game an infamous one and ultimately um it led to, it helped lead to a Chiefs victory now if things were reversed and they had that field goal right away they would have had at least two timeouts they were the offense was ringing all game long for the Chiefs and it could have led to a tie game 
and it could have led to a another overtime Super Bowl. And don't forget, there's the new overtime rules as well. So at least this classic game would have gone with both mm-hmm. teams getting a chance to score. Yeah. That would have been yeah. pretty cool. But it wasn't meant to be. And let's talk about it right here, right now. Should that penalty have been called? Fuck no. I want to go first on this. I'll be very quick. I'll quit. I'll be quick. I understand. We all understand here that the rules get tweaked and changed year after year. It's part of improving the game. It's part of the league. We understand it. But to not be fucking consistent the entire game, (laughs) once during 40, uh, 58 minutes of play, and then to put it on the most pivotal possession really just screams um, disrespect and inconsistency and hypocrisy from the league level. And it's not even the ref's fault per se, because they are just trying to make the call, but to not call it the entire game, uh, because it's definitely, it definitely was going on the entire game. Um, It's just really disgusting. You have a minute 45. If they, if they give up that field goal on fourth down and they're able to stop the clock one more time, are you trying to tell me that Jalen hurts can't go at least 75, 80 yards in a minute 45? With the sidelines and everything involved, he could easily, if not a game-winning touchdown. So I don't want to hear the stuff from people on, you know, like oh they didn't have a chance of bull bullshit. They had more than enough time. And matter of fact, if they got it too fast, Kansas City would have had time as well. Mm -hmm. And what really bothers me too is that the bump and the tag was within five yards, and that's another Mm -hmm. wrinkle to this. Mm -hmm. Good point. Because even if you allege that. He did hook him, and he had his jersey, which I didn't really see conclusively. It's still within five yards. It's bump and run. And the fact that the the, the catch wasn't even quite confirmed in play, like, you know, they always delegate, like, oh, well, if it's kind of out of uh, the capability of being caught, it's kind of graded on a curve in terms of, you know, how bad the penalty is. There wasn't even that conversation involved. And it's really just sad because it's – they showcase and highlight all the technology and all the capabilities that they have with these cameras and to not get the call right is really just sad to see a 58 minute exceptional game and the way it did, but I'll let you guys get it. Like I said, Alex, about the uh, AFC championship, I hate it when the refs decide such a crucial game. That's it. Yep. Yeah. I I completely agree. I mean, I understand the refs had to make the call. That's what they're paid to do, but if you look at the replay and it's in the five yards and it's like a 50 50, let, let them play. Let you know, play. Let, like, yeah, at that point, it's so, it's such a pivotal play. And the ball wasn't even near Schuster. It wasn't like Bradbury was like hanging on on the hips and he clearly couldn't make a move. It was like literally yeah. just like a pull. Like, he, you see Bradbury just yep. go like a small pinch. Schuster could have easily just sprinted and gotten to the ball if you want. Like, but the ball, I think, was still too far, even if he went all out for it. So mm-hmm. that was the thing that bothered me most. It was it, I understand why they did it. Yes, he did grab his jersey. You see it. it it's, it's a clear thing. But at that point, it was just so quick, and it didn't really, to me, impede him making the catch on the ball. I think the ball still sailed like five yards past wherever you can get it. It wasn't like he went from here, and all of a sudden he's jerked back, and the ball is, you know, land where his hands were just were, you know? So yeah. It, it it it's just it was frustrating to see that and you know like like everyone knows I'm a Giants fan I I could I'm at, you know it's great for me to see the Eagles lose whatever I'm not going to be a hater they played a really good game but I'm not I'm not happy about it like the way it ended I, I would have loved to see them take that field goal and see what Hurts was doing because he was balling out also. Yep. Devontae Smith just cooked that corner, and I'm pissed because, like you yeah. guys know, I was three yards away of winning like three hundred dollars. Pissing it, he just cooked it. Like, I just wanted to see the Eagles get their final chance, like their final chance to do something because they were playing so damn well and having, and it was just a great battle. So the fact that that happened, that was a bit bothering. Once I saw that flag and I saw the replay, I'm like, you got to be kidding me! If it's like uh, it's a 50-50, let them play. If they want to go for it on fourth down, let them do it. If they want to be safe and kick the field goal, go for it. But Again, it's such a pivotal moment, and it just killed the game, and it just killed the whole vibe because it was such great football up to that point where it wasn't really – there's a few questionable calls here and there. Sure, yeah, on either side, but on that such a pivotal play, you got – you just let him play. Just let him play, especially seeing where that ball landed. It wasn't like Schuster could have made a catch on it anyway. I uh, absolutely agree with both of you. It's just sad because – 
this game, it should have come down to the final, you know, mm-hmm. drive. Like the fact that Jared McKinnon had to do that rush and just slide, it like took the feeling of the Super Bowl mm-hmm. out of the Super Bowl. Like the fact that you could even like, you know what I mean? Like just seeing that is like such a regular season move just to get a win <laughs> for a seat. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like the regular season Derek McKinnon, put your head down and get that touchdown and let your defense. Do the Bradshaw, please. Like it just, like, it just felt cool. weird. And you know, what's also interesting. Debo Samuel called out James Bradbury before the Super Bowl and called him trash and said, you watch in this Super Bowl. And listen, I agree with you guys. It's a questionable call. It shouldn't happen. But it happened to the one guy he called trash, and that's a little interesting. He got exposed this game a little bit, Mm -hmm. Bradbury. Um, But, yeah, it comes down to there's going to be a real talk, and I would say the next five to ten years on just fully like going to getting rid of refs and doing everything with cameras and just having the booth in New York do it because at this point there's so much volatility. I feel like there's guys on the ground calling it one, one way and then they get in the, their headset. Hey, don't call that from New York. So it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. are we, are we yeah. getting biased from New York because they want an agenda? You know, like we were talking about the script stuff or is it that they're seeing it a different way? So it's like, in my opinion, it's either I rather everything. It'd be like peewee. No cameras, everything be the judges, but the referees on the field or completely cameras and booth review and, you know, guys in New York, because then at least there's consistency and there's no ambiguity in what who's really making this call. And that's the problem I have with this, because, you know, every, you know, Pat Mahomes is the poster boy of them, the, you know, the new there guy in the face. There you go. For, yeah. For, for the NFL, you know, Mr. Goodell. It also, exactly. yeah, I, I was so, going to say with Goodell, it also doesn't help that after that call, he was seen on camera, like hugging and yeah. dapping up all the chiefs guys. Yeah. Like he won the Super Bowl. Exactly. exactly. I was like, that so, doesn't help. Yeah. So there has to be some consistency and fairness in this. I think going back and forth is this hybrid method is actually a detriment than an actual benefit. Isn't it well, ironic? And, and, yeah, you're saying now. Okay. Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, it's like, and and just the timing of it too. It's like you you just leave more questions and answers with fans going into an off season where the, again we're back to the drawing board. What's a catch? What isn't a catch? What's a penalty? What's not a penalty? It's just there's no fucking consistency, and 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 frankly, it's it's sad because we keep backtracking. We're not making mm-hmm. any progress. It's just so ironic in a year where we talked about the officials and their calls and how much they affected a game. It really came down to yeah. the final two minutes of the Super Bowl. 120 million people watching, and you just so happen to throw the flag there when there was minimal mm-hmm. penalties throughout. And, you know, where we talk about um, where states have legalized gambling and stuff, you yep. know, I'm – you know, I'm not going to play Illuminati here, but you just questioned like, wow, what integrity is there? Nothing yeah. gets better. Nothing gets better when there's more money involved. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, you know, it, it really all started in the 2018 NFC Championship. I don't know. Like, there was like a switch happened yeah. with these official calls. Oh. And this is going to transition to our next point. I don't get why the NFL will pay $800,000 for a field that they spent two years on. And can they at least hire these refs full-time, be full-time employees, give them proper training throughout the entire year, get that they need to be physically fit, you know, go through intense training and pull that off? Yeah. No, I guess not. And if you're going to be scouting – fields for the most important fucking game of the year. Why don't you get a feel where people aren't sliding around at like an ice rink? Like everybody yeah. was down or, or at least, or at least turning ankles or falling on their legs. It's like, dear God, these, these players are worth millions of dollars. Like protect your assets, get in a dome. That's why you spend all this money and all this infrastructure to get domes. Did yeah. you hear about it though? It took two years. They, they grew yeah. that grass yeah. for two years. And <laughs> yeah. that looked, that looked, you know what that grass looked like? You know, when you get out of the shower, right? And all the water falls on that, on your mat, yeah. right? And maybe it's a little shaggy. That's what that turf yeah. looked like. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Like, it, you know, it's also sad. Like all these players are fighting for, you know, grass fields. Right. And they finally got grass and it was mush. Yeah. yeah, like it's like they that that whole like you know movement just got set back five steps because of the stupidity of you know 
in the maintenance crew for watering it too much. Because yeah. did it rain the did it rain the day before, or they just didn't take care of it? Yeah, it's it's just Arizona, Arizona is the desert. Yeah, yeah they, they over Phoenix. They, 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 they over watered yeah. it. I don't know what they did. But even even the trainers were slipping. Once I saw that, they had a montage in the Super Bowl of showcasing everyone slipping. And then one of the angles was trainers eating shit like while they're trying to go, you know, get water or whatever. I'm like, what the hell is going on with this field? (laughs) Once I saw the trainers were wiping out and then they had like a pile of cleats on one of the angles because Mm -hmm. everyone was changing their shoes. I was like, yeah, this is this is an absolute mess. Yeah. This is real bad. It reminded me of that Justin Fields game where he slimed. Oh, yeah. 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 Start Matt, of the year with that and the end of the year with that. Yes. Matt, I just, I just, so you know how you just mentioned the, um, the Ram Saints PI call? Yep. In 2018. You know, it's mm-hmm. really, you know, it's a really interesting coincidence. September of 2019, online and, um, in-person sports betting became legal in multiple states across the United States. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You, you now have to ask that question for the rest of time. A couple I think of months if you later. Work, if you work for the NFL, and I don't know if this is the same for the NBA, like you cannot, well, make a wager. I don't yeah, know. I, yeah. I, for, I don't know for the NFL, but for at least the NBA, I, I, you, know, you guys know I work there. I can't bet on any NBA. NBA I would think, yeah, I would think, I would think, the NFL would do the same. I would well, they hope they could, would do the same. Of course, they'll but, find but they, the fat guy in Rapid or somewhere like, uh, underground bookie too. Yeah, but can't they? Can't they hide like transactional bet wagers through like shell companies and other entities? I mean, probably. It, There's it, ways it, to do it. I'm just. Yeah, me, I'm not taking the chance, so I I avoid it at all costs. But there's definitely ways you can. But it's like you know, oh, yeah. finesse, finesse it's like, gambling. It's like federal, it's like federal employees at insider trading. It's like we all know it's going yeah. on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just yeah. who gets caught? Right, right. right. Yeah, the, the field was a mess, <laughs> and that even affected the game one way or the other. I mean, you saw the Harrison Bunker with him slipping on one of the kickoffs. And yeah, it looked like his leg was his uh, ankle's about to snap, but. It's good enough to get the game a Super Bowl winning field goal out of it. Matt, to answer your question on if they're allowed to bet, it's the same uh, rules pretty much as the NBA. They can bet on other sports, but they can't bet on the league. Yeah, so I have a a question for clarification. I thought that the direct end result from that controversy was that they were going to have further review within two minutes for DPI no calls. And they did, and then there was a lot of people complaining about that rule being. So they did away with it. They did try it the year after. I'm because pretty sure. yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure they tried it, and then people were away. getting yeah, I'm pretty sure people were getting annoyed on how long it took. But now we have this like and this objective. Well, now you have this now you have this expedited ruling, but even then, it still feels like it's ten minutes of waiting. So it's just like a whole mess on reviewing things because yeah. everyone's got to complain at the end of the day. All in all, you are now known as the worst field. And this was a place that have had many Super Bowls <laughs> at it. Makes MetLife Stadium look like a beautiful prairie or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, even then that even then MetLife's turf is disastrous, but it wasn't as it's not a <laughs> it's not a slip and slide like it was yeah. for the Super Bowl. It's very it's very fitting that it's called University of Phoenix Field. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, what they happened to the Eagles pass rush? This big bad pass rush, uh, we were talking about them being compared to the 85 Bears, and they didn't even get one sack. And um, the Chiefs' O-line just just snapped and did what they had to do when it mattered the most. What happened there, guys? So um, I want to take this first. Mm-hmm. What I realized in the game, that if you guys didn't, re- uh, didn't notice, how quick Pat Mahomes was getting the ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've re- I, I should have realized this the, fo- the week before. When I was talking about how I thought the Eagles were going to get six plus sacks, they got all those sacks on pocket passers and you know, you know, having good coverage. And when you're playing a guy with a bad ankle who can't sit in the pocket because if he, if he, you know, if he waits a little bit too long, he can't doesn't have the mobility to get out of the pocket. Then so it has to be a quick two step, three step drop, get it out quick. You know, you can't get there to get the sack. So it's just like it, they didn't get sacks because they just didn't have the opportunity to. You know, they did. They get. They sort of created some pressure, but when you have Pat Mahomes getting the ball off that quick, it's so hard. You know, you have to be quick by tenths of a second to try to get that out there. So it definitely Especially in the second half. 
Yeah, especially in the second yeah. half. It really just, just completely disrupted the game. I also think also just the game management. Like once like once they got into a lead, they don't they just didn't, you know, they were just playing their main guys, you know, they weren't doing any crazy blitzes, just, you know, a very conservative defense, which led to the comeback in my opinion, besides also the turnovers and the fumbles. Um, but you know, when you go into a conservative defense, that's gonna happen. You're gonna rein it back a little bit because, you know, what happens when you do go too hard on that blitz, you know, holes open, Mahomes can run, you know, there's more vision because there's clearer lanes between the offensive line. So it creates some issues. But yeah, definitely disappointed on the on the on the pass rush. Yeah. And give credit uh, to Andy yeah. Reid um switching it up in the second Absolutely. half. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. As we made the yeah. joke about Peyton Manning saying they didn't do we didn't do second half adjustments. Well someone did in the Chiefs locker room <laughs> and it led to the result that we have obviously. Yeah. I'm gonna say this quick before anyone. Andy Reid is the greatest coach of all time. I've officially established that. Hot take it. Stop it, you're hot. it. That's that's a hot take. You're we hot. we I did we did have I'm an argument. Rushmore. He's give it a week. The very best. I, I, I have him outside the top five. I had a conversation with my uncles and my cousins about it this morning. It was actually like a really fun conversation that we had, but I don't have him as all time, but he is climbing the list. But uh to go back to the Eagles defense, yeah. Uh, like Brian said, it was just, you know, Mahomes doing the Brady method of hike, get the ball out as quick as possible, take what the defense is giving him, and just, you know, survive to another down. Um, he did really well with that. They did have moments where they did create some pressure, but then again, he would roll out and find a little bit of a window and somehow do some of those crazy, you know, shovel passes or sidearm throws or whatever he can do. So, you know, kudos to them, um, you know, for the did and, and, you know, you can kind of put the blame on the Eagles defensive coordinator for just, you know, not being aggressive and not setting the tone. Um, and the chief took advantage coming out of the second half. You know, they realized they're being a little more conservative. All right, let's take what we can have and, and get back in this game. And that's exactly what they did. And the Eagles didn't do anything to turn it around. And that's why, you know, they're not coming home, you know, winners. They, they went different than what they normally were this year. Um, and it was weird. I know they got a lead, but, you know, being conservative when this defense is all time, and especially in the Super Bowl, you can't do that. You just got to remain it. And if, if, like I said, if Mahomes beat you while you're being aggressive, okay, then maybe dial it back a little bit and work on it. But the fact that they were just kind of ultra conservative and not, you know, trying to get to Mahomes, at least early on in the game, especially after the angle injury coming out of halftime, you know, they had a lot of time to heal. But, you know, the fact they didn't do anything was just kind of, jarring to me that we didn't see what you know this defense was uh, throughout this whole season in the biggest game of the year i i don't i don't even blame the fact that so i i said i i believe going back two weeks now i said that the center of attention for this game is going to be jonathan gann the d the dc for philly because he's going to be under immense pressure to survey things in the first half and then make adjustments of when he's going to send five when you know that you have an achilles heel for a team in an offense like Andy Reid and the Chiefs with Mahomes' ankle, you have to attack it. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't mean you have to send all your guys, send five and expose you know what you want to do on defense in the first half. You want to play conservatively and read what they want to do, no pun intended. But yeah. the thing is, the, the thing is at a certain point, you have to make it, you have to make adjustments. You have to, you have to get him out of his element because I, I I look back at this offense, and while Reed was playing the offense conservatively in the first half, he made adjustments, and they were they they ultimately were able to um, they they were able to scheme far more effectively um, against against the defense and what they wanted to do with Philadelphia because they were getting the ball out early. It was a, it was a lot of slot guys. Pacheco was getting a bunch of stuff going. Um, they, they involved Sky Moore. They had Travis Kelsey moving. They had a bunch of different interesting things behind the, the line of scrimmage. But I put this on Jonathan Gannon's inability to send five and expose the weakness once you've seen what you've seen by the second half. That was really kind of appalling because you had four guys with over 10 sacks this year, and – I look back at some of the tape and it's not like they were holding on every, I understand there's holding on every play, but I mean, Chris Jones was able to get home, you know, it, it's like, I don't know what the problem is. It really felt like if I had to explain the time of possessions, which clearly the Eagles had most of that. I, the, the chiefs, it felt like they scored on almost every single drive they had with a, a few punts in there. And then, um, 
the Eagles took their sweet time going down the field as well. And that tops and here's the topsy turvy. The uh, Chiefs scored what it mattered the most, and then the Eagles came up short. And uh, again, they just took their sweet time with it. Just mistakes too. I mean, thirty-three penalty yeah. yards, critical mm-hmm. points, and the, and obviously, I mean, the fumble by center field was huge, and you know, the defensive breakdown on the uh, special teams late in the fourth quarter. So there were definitely miscues um, that went against Philadelphia. I think Kansas City was just a little more buttoned up in the second half. Right, and how about Patrick Mahomes clearly punching his ticket to the Hall of Fame officially, especially winning a second Super Bowl MVP. Every single Super Bowl uh, multi-time Super Bowl MVP quarterback has gone to the Hall of Fame with the exception of Eli, and I'm pretty sure, no bias aside, he will be in there one day. So all Hall of Famers, you're pretty much, if you're a quarterback with those two, you're going in the Hall of Fame. And and it seemed when Mahomes made um especially going into the halftime where he was lipping off the field and then just the greatest staff uh training staff in the world getting him all taped up lock and loaded and it led to another come another 10 point comeback in the second half patrick Mahomes' performance guys winning the mvp how about that so Patrick Mahomes had a very good game. You know, the injury hurt him in the, the first half, and then he rallied back. He had those three passing touchdowns. Um, you know, he did, just, he did his job. I was shocked. He only threw, like, 180 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, he's not the Super Bowl MVP, though. I still think that Jalen Hurts should have got it, um, even though he didn't win and would have been the second player ever in NFL history to get an MVP for the Super Bowl and losing, um, in my opinion. But he had a good game. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, is he that has, is this his peak performance I've ever seen? No, I feel like two years ago, uh, three years ago was his best ball he was playing. He's still great. That's the amazing thing. You know, it's almost like when, um, like in, if you compare to basketball, like LeBron James realistically could win the MVP every single season. Um, like this year he's averaging 30 points, but he probably won't win it because like, it's just like, it's assumed you're going to be that good um, and that great and that dominant. So that's basically what um, Patrick Mahomes is now. But do I think he should have got the MVP? No, but I'm happy he did, though, because it puts him in an elite company. But, yeah, it's a mixed bag for me. Yeah, I, I agree. It was it was a mixed bag for me as well. Uh, I was really hoping Kelsey would go more off in, like, the second half because he set the tempo early, and the way it was looking, I was like, oh, this dude's going to probably walk away with the MVP. and. I know I put like a free bet on him to win MVPs, but this is not like a biased thing. I just thought he looked like the guy setting the tempo in the Super Bowl and being the best player out there. But as it went on, you know, it was clear just stat-wise it's going to go to the quarterback. That's how it's favored. I kind of agree with Brian. Um, Hertz had the numbers to deserve it, but the way the NFL is, I don't think we're ever going to get a losing team player winning the Super Bowl unless it's absolutely something ridiculous. And Hertz was pretty much borderline absolutely ridiculous in the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, you know, it wasn't his best game, but he toughed it out and he did what needed to be done to win a Super Bowl. And since he's the quarterback of the team, usually going to win the MVP. So, you know, wasn't an all-time great Super Bowl performance, but it definitely adds to his resume, and it definitely you know locks his place up in Canton whenever he decides to walk away, which would probably be 15 years from now. Mm-hmm. I um yeah, I mean he, he I I I it gets stuck in my throat because I get so angry about Kermit, <laughs> but I I hate I'm yeah look I I hate his guts I'll never like him but um he he played an exceptional game he stayed out of his own way he maximized everything that he had available to him in terms of offensive weaponry and just his health for that matter. Um, I thought he was hyper-efficient, you know, read everything like a professional, but um, yeah, I mean, again, we, we always just kind of subsume that it's going to be a quarterback taking home the MVP. And I'm not saying that he's undeserving. I actually thought that Isaiah Pacheco was the MVP. Mm. Um, I thought that was a huge call on Alex's part. Um I thought he played out of his mind, particularly leading a weakling of the, the offense, which was the run game. And it was so critical to get that run game established in order to have a fighting chance to win this game. I think that was a big point um, for us in terms of the strategy that 
Casey was going to have to put forward in order to uh, beat Philadelphia at their own game and beat them on offense particularly. And I thought that him leading the charge on the most critical subsection of their offense, I thought was tremendous. And then obviously capping it with a touchdown, but he was five and a half a carry. He was unbelievable. And he just brought good energy. Every time I saw him spring up from the, from, from the, uh, from the grass, I thought he was, um, bringing life to that offense, particularly when Mahomes was, you know, laboring and, and injured. So, um, you know, kudos to Mahomes, but I thought that Pacheco should have taken it home. It seems like the NFL had some Mahomes bias. No. Oh, just, just a little. Really? No, just a really? really? Yeah. No, pro- uh, good call by Alex, though. Uh, props to <laughs> Pacheco. You guys all know I'm on the Pacheco hype train. I was happy yeah, to see Yeah, he's a beast. I was, really, happy, really I was happy to see him. He's, his story is great, you know, uh, just to see him, I saw him at Rockers a bunch. Then I, me and my fiance, dad would message each other and be like, if he goes to the right spot, like he's going to be good. And then he's a seventh round pick, goes to Chiefs, becomes their starter this year, and now is a Super Bowl, you know, champ. So good on us, Ava out. I agree with Alex. He would probably be my my second person and or third between Kelsey and Pacheco to be MVP if it wasn't Mahomes. You know, so, thinking. Thinking back, you know, if you really look at this game, like I wish you could get position groups in MVP because the Chiefs offensive yeah. line, Chiefs offensive line should easily get the MVP for this game, mm-hmm. holding zero sa- zero sacks to the Eagles and having the rushing game that they had. So, uh, yeah, maybe they have to add in that award, uh, the Super Bowl, like a position group MVP as well. I mean, they're adding a bunch of awards to the NBA. You can add a couple more for their big games for uh, for the playoffs and the Super Bowl. Yeah, most valuable position. Most valuable position group. So where do the Chiefs go from here? Do you think if they – I should say this. Do you think they can win another Super Bowl, whether next year or the following year, and complete a dynasty? Is this Chiefs team headed for a dynasty? As long as they have Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, it's like Belichick and Brady, there will always be a shot because they're never going to miss the playoffs. Unfortunately, they're in a division that's a clusterfuck as always. I'm sorry, Alex, but like you, every other team in that division shoots itself in the foot mm-hmm. and is mm-hmm. easily capable. Every team that year on paper could probably beat the Chiefs this season. It's just they don't know how to figure it out ever. Therefore, you know, they have a shot. To consistently do it, and when you have a guy like Pat Mahomes, um, you, you you have a chance. The key is to continue to bring in youth to them because eventually Kelsey's going to get old. He's getting older now. You know he's in his mid thirties. You know you got Pacheco. You got more. Now just got to continue developing and drafting well, and this easily could be a dynasty for next decade. Yeah, um, I was going to say I, I agree too. Um... Because the crazy thing is, if you look at as dominant as Chiefs has been, you know, these last few years, uh, this was probably their worst team, you can you can argue. Um, yeah. And they still won the Super Bowl. If you look at all the dominant Chiefs teams that we had, this is arguably the worst team and they won a Super Bowl. So, you know, they add a few more pieces, they get a little bit stronger. Yeah. And like Brian said, you have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, you know, you could easily win more. Um, you know, a lot of people were discussing, you know, uh, they're going to win, you know, two or more or whatever the case might be. I don't know what the number will be, but the window's there. You know, I know the AFC is going to be tough for sure going forward, but with those two together, we're always going to count on the Chiefs to potentially win a Super Bowl. I don't think we're ever going to count them out. It has to be something crazy like, you know, God forbid Mahomes gets hurt for us to really rule the Chiefs out of anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys said it all. I think they'll be there year after year for the next decade. I think the the, the biggest underrated – um, improvement and evidence that they will be a dynasty is the fact that they dealt Tyreek Hill last offseason. I thought mm-hmm. that was a huge, you know, clearing of the deck to, um, you know, even the books on payroll and bring in, you know, new drafted, um, uh, new drafted talent. And they're, they're not really in the business of paying a lot of people. It's kind of the same formula that, that you guys said earlier with New England. It's like you still have your 1A and your 1B with Reed Mahomes and everything else can kind of fall into place, you know, so the, the door will constantly swing open and, and close with new guys in the rotation. But the foundation is there. As long as they're healthy, they'll be around for another, another decade. And um, yeah, there's a not, there's a ton of tremendous talent in the AFC, but it's just a matter of whose year it is to get over the hump. And they should probably be the favorites from there on. 
Yeah, and I was going to say one last thing that some people also kind of tend to forget too is that when you're a constant winner, you're going to attract veterans who want to win mm-hmm. rings, and usually yes. you can get them on pretty good deals. So that one year the Chiefs' minimum. favor, you can get one year vet minimum guys or cheaper contract guys for players who just want to try to get a ring. So the Chiefs kind of have that in their favor, even though they're paying Mahomes a boatload of money going forward, they'll be getting some of those guys, you know, some really talented guys probably on the cheap because they want to, you know, win a Super Bowl. And realistically, they only need one great receiver, mm-hmm. and that's Kelsey, because that guy demands attention by the defense, maybe a double coverage. And when you have an MVP caliber player like Pat Mahomes, you now have good receivers against good cornerbacks, and mm-hmm. all he has to do is read. Yep. It makes so, it a lot, a lot easier. So Brady retires, right? And let's say hypothetically Aaron does go to Vegas. Is anybody? Cha- I mean, is anybody going to have an easier trip to the Super Bowl than Philly with Hertz, unless someone comes over to the, the NFC? The next closest team yes, is, and it's you know, San Francisco and Dallas are the two ones that are yeah. you know most challenge challenging just because of their defenses. But even then, there's just so many limitations on both those teams. We like they Fortnite went to the NFC Championship and they don't know who their quarterback is next year. Like that's yeah, ridiculous. Right, you know, like ridiculous. the Dallas Cowboys are about to get shredded in cap and cap this offseason and probably going to have to cut a good amount of guys. So it's like a lot of teams are shifting, but as we've seen over the years though, teams literally could change in a day um and completely get revamped and go all in. Like I especially honestly the draft. I, especially with the draft. I wouldn't sleep on the LA Rams. If they have a healthy Matt Stafford and, and a healthy Cooper Cup, they're just with, – with McVeigh, they're just weird like that, you know. You had a down year from Aaron Donald and uh, Jalen Ramsey. You have an up year next year. They're, they're a top-five defense. So, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of things could change. The Saints – Saints are always in play, in my opinion, and of having a down season to a great season because all in Drew Brees' career, it was like 7-9 and nine, 13 wins, 5 wins, 14 wins. It was always up and down. I think Carr might might go there. Yeah. I think he's going to go to Carolina, but I know that they were um, negotiating a deal, and I think there was reported that that has fallen through. But um, we'll have that covered for you during this offseason. And just my last related Chiefs question at the moment, are we Chiefs out? Or do we have the animosity as a whole, like – Ronelio does like oh I hated him so like like a LeBron effect like we're just sick and tired of the like yeah you know, LeBron whole, being in the finals every year exactly yeah. are there are people here Chiefs out I'm on the brink but it, there's there's nothing about them you that you like hate there's no one arrogant no. And, no, I I, oh, I, I, I don't like Pat Mahomes I don't like Pat Mahomes that's like a I think some people don't like Kelsey. For. I think some people don't like. I think Kelsey runs his mouth a little bit too much sometimes. Yeah, like like the Super Bowl stuff was cringe for me. I was just like, all right, like tell like it down. Buddy. Like when he said, um, "Nobody believed in us." Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know if it was like, that just, far. Kel- yeah, Kelsey's the second coming no to Shannon you. No one believed in you because they saw the script that you were going to be in the AFC Championship two weeks prior. But no, I, <laughs> the reason they the reason they hate uh, Kelsey is because he's a pretty boy and he's got a hot chick. And he's <laughs> he's kind of protective because how many times have I heard the fucking commentator go, "Well, I thought they were going to scheme to defend Kelsey." It's like, yeah, everyone with two eyes and a fucking pulse would have thought that too. Yeah, it seems like these defenses like don't even want to like go near him. It's almost like a Dick, Derrick Henry effect or something. It's weird. But I mean, Mahomes, he's that good though too. Where it's just tough to scheme and still find a way to get open. It could be that too. Yeah, yeah. He but. The thing is, like, yeah, I mean, obviously it's no secret. I've hated this team for three years now, almost even four. Um, but I, it's, it's. I think it's just the way – it just feels like an art, artificial evolution with how Mahomes and this reign has kind of come together. It doesn't feel natural the way that, like, Burroughs effect or, like, Josh Allen's or, like, Lamar's or even Herbert's, like, those feel like natural ascensions. Like you see the warts and all of the infrastructure. It just seems like Kansas city has been anointed. And I feel like some people had the same criticisms with new England. It's like mm-hmm. they were anointed. They had protections. They were in a shitty division and then they kind of took it over and they had the run on it. And I feel like it's kind of the same script over and over again. Especially yeah. when you see Roger Goodell as if Tapping he was the owner the, of the yeah. chiefs. 
Yeah. I think that's really going to push the uh, the uh, heel turn of the Chiefs yeah. dynasty now. I don't like that at all. No, no commission should have No, you shouldn't be doing fights. something like that. You should be congratulating both teams. You be on the podium. Congratulate the Super Bowl. Congratulate the team. That's it. Shake your hands with the guys. Cool. Whatever. But what he was doing to me, that, that was weirded out by that. I'm like, why are you like dapping up and hugging these guys and like yelling in their ear? It's like, you, you know, shake your hand. Hey, congratulations. Hey, congratulations. Hey, I'm just be lined to where you need to be. Like, it was just weird. He was there celebrating. Like Matt said, like he was one of the owners. It was just very bizarre and, to me. And this is my problem with the NFL. There's no check on them because they're just a boardroom in a dark room somewhere. We don't know where it is. And they have all the say. No one has any of the black box information. It's just it's just in the air. Did it happen? Did it not? No check on the NFL. They just do whatever they want. And we always well, go they, back to them to watch their product. That's how they get us. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing is they have, they have, yeah, they have a monopoly on the market. They know they're the number one brand in American sports. But my issue is kind of, kind of goes back to the, the, the missed call the last two minutes with Bradbury. It's like people can live with fallible results. Like they can, they can live with human error. But what I don't like is like the fit, like the fakeness and the artificiality of the league kind of pulling the strings because then you're fucking with competition because yeah. if you're not yeah. having an honest fair playing field of competition mm-hmm. you're going to lose your product and you're going to lose your key demos man Agreed. what a time huh now speaking on the cheat on the eagles their opponent who lost by a field goal where do they go from here the nick sirianni i mean that team had the world on their shoulder and it's been discussed how they really got quote unquote challenged for the first time going up against a legit offense. And, um, you know, though they competed until the very end, they weren't able to get the win, which ultimately matters. But, you know, you clearly see that this can be a legitimate team in the NFC for years to come. (laughs) Young coach Jalen Hurts clearly did not let the uh, moment fall for him um the one-two punch in aj brown and Devonte smith um dallas goddard had a hell of a game turning into a legitimate tight end in this league and then we've been talking about that pass rush even though they couldn't get a stack in the super bowl they were amazing throughout the whole season now where do they go from here and you can probably add on to ranelio's point about how there's not as much competition in the NFC, at least at this moment, and we'll see what happens this offseason. But where do the Eagles go from here after their tough loss? Basically, you know, they have to re-sign their free agents as best they can. CJ Gordon Johnson's going to, you know, offer a high free agency since he led the league in interception. He's a top top safety now. Um, they could use some offensive line um, in the draft just because Kelsey and Elaine Johnson are getting a little older. So now it's, you know, they have to replenish the aged, the injured, and those that leave. It's those are the big three things. Um, developing Jalen Hurts into a more of a passer, as we've seen, you know, the Hail Mary limitations. You know, yeah, we huh? can't all rely on strength like that. You know, you have the arm talent or not, but you know, he relies a lot on the dual threadness when that when you know when the running game does get shut down for him, he has to be able to develop that passing more, and he has done it, so it's going well. Um, but in my opinion, the biggest question is. I'm pretty sure Miles Sanders is a free agent, if I'm wrong. I think Miles... Uh, Let me confirm that, or if somebody else wants to really quick. Let me see if I can find it real quick, but I think you're right. Let me check. How about that Kenneth Gainwell? Yes, sorry. So he's a free agent, okay? I think the best thing they could do is let him walk because he's really only had one good season. No, he's had two good seasons, but he's an injury-prone. You know, I think he's more of a system guy. If I'm them... You know, what are you missing? Um, I think of those greats uh, constantly going to the Super Bowl, the NFC Championship uh, teams. You need a bruising running back, like a little Brian Westbrook that you both hate. Um, (laughs) And I think they got a draft for John Robinson from Texas. I think that would be their Derrick Henry kind of guy. And you add him in with Gainwell and Boston Scott, and I think then they would be the favorites for the next few years. So I think it's solidify the run game in even more for them, um, but a different kind of run game, more of a north and south, and not a east and what east and west kind of run game. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I mean, I think the Eagles are probably going to dominate the NFC 
for the next few years. I mean, I know they have a lot of key pieces that they'll probably uh, lose because uh, that's usually what happens with with really solid teams. Um, you know, that make it to the Super Bowl. Even if you lose those, some of those seven players get paid big money. So I agree with your grind that I could see some of these guys demand money and the Eagles can't retain them. But um, when you're an organization like the Eagles, uh, who have drafted well recently, um, they have players that want to be there now because they know they can compete uh, for a Super Bowl. Um, I, I, you know, I think they'll be all right. Uh, I think they'll figure it all out. Um, I can easily see them, you know, be back in the NFC Championship game next year. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with Brian. I think that it's crazy to think that they can even add more to this offense, but they really can. They can add a more dynamic, true, you know, runner to this offense. You know, they have two Pro Bowl caliber wide receivers. They have a great run game already. But you get that true, you know, guy that you can just hand the ball off to. It's a special talent. And this team is going to, you know, just continue to dominate over the next few years. So I agree with Brian as well. Like, I think that's like the one thing I was looking at where it's like, yeah, it's great you have running back by committee and a couple of teams do that. The Chiefs do that too. But if they added a stud runner, and I really don't want to see another reincarnation of Brian Westbrook because that guy <laughs> still haunts my night, you know, haunts my nightmares all the time. Um, but if they do that, they're set. And this defense is really solid. And I think, you know, if they lose some pieces, they'll, they'll either draft or add more. Um, they, yeah. like I said, they're, they're just really good at seeing talent. So I think they'll be all right. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I see this team really, you know, having a stranglehold on the NFC, at least for the next few years. They, they will be the standard, um, for at least three years, you know, maybe five, they can extend some of these contracts, but a key part of that, which is what you guys were alluding to is that they're going to have to draft, you know, like a late second round bruiser type of running back, someone who's like, you know, just a horse that you can kind of pound the rock with because you don't want to get some of that um, that wear and tear on Gainwell. And, um, you know, you could you could afford to let what's his face walk as well, because um, that's that's a very replaceable position, particularly in the kind of schemes that they want to run with Sirianni. Um, you know, you, you, mm-hmm. you every every regime always loses a couple of, you know, coordinators to coaching gigs. So that'll just be a little bit of a, um, you know, a little bit of a setback. They'll have to kind of reconfigure some things, but, you know, maybe even looking for some kind of, um, you know, safety in the draft too. I know Graham's getting up there in age and he's been, you know, a cornerstone of that, um, that franchise for, you know, over 10 years. And he goes back to the first Super Bowl team that won it. Um, they're going to have to eventually let him walk um, or, you know, someone will pick him up on a minimum contract. But I think, you know, preserving that defense is going to be critical as well. And just shoring up that, you know, um, middle of the nickel package with a nice, you know, new safety. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause the way I think about it is the NFC East got put on notice this year. Now everyone is going very quickly to get to the Eagles and yeah. all three teams in the NFC are maybe two or three positions away from getting to competing with them in the regular season. You know what I mean? Washington's a quarterback away from being a playoff team. Easily, with the offensive weapons and the way their defense is, if they saw everyone. Dallas just needs consistency at quarterback play, and we could be playing them in the NFC Championship game. You know what I mean? So it's like the Giants had a stud season. If they get more talent, like a receiving room, they're going to challenge the division as well. So now it's, you know... This is the way every you know you have so many years where you're under the radar and now everyone's putting attention on you and figuring out your scheme. So I think the biggest key is for Sirianni to constantly keep people on their toes and change up their scheme. Usually it takes two three seasons and then your scheme is figured out and then you have to create a new one. That's the hardest part about dynasties. So it's constantly him morphing his offense and his identity to make sure that the NFL is not getting used to it and easily picking off on it. Man, great points. Great, great points as per usual, guys. Just a couple of things other Super Bowl related. How do we feel about Rihanna's halftime show performance? It was good to see her back. It was it's been a while, so you know, I you know, it was it was a lot of a it was a mashup of uh, old songs and new ones, so it, it gave a lot of nostalgia, I feel. 
Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was solid. It was good to see her back on stage, like Brian said. Um, I'm not a huge fan of hers, but it, everyone that I was hanging out with was was vibing and having a good time. It's good to see her back. She's a great performer. Um, I don't think it was better than last year. That's just my opinion, but a lot of people think it was better than last year. But um, but I I enjoyed watching it. Uh, but do I think it's up there on the top ep- uh, echelon of Super Bowl halftime shows? No, but no. it was fun this year. It was fun this year back and perform again. It was it was cool. I joined hey, kudos the... to her. Kudos to her. She did it. She did it pregnant. Too. You did do like, pregnant, you, which that, was pretty cool to see. You know that that's yeah. pretty good. That's hard to do. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I jumped in on the nostalgia and I treated myself to a nice cherry dipped cone at Carvel yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, no, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm sure there's going to be plenty of tape breaking down what kind of uh, <laughs> Freemasons death cult shit that she was trying to pull with uh, mm. some of those platforms and Symbolism. those uh, peons uh, peons running through the grass. But no, I mean, in all seriousness, like I thought it was super entertaining. Even if I don't listen to her, um, you know, all you can ask for is entertainment at these kind of events. It's not really about. Um, you know, the quality of music, but um, it was it was super, super interesting. I love the choreography, all that, all that stuff was really freaking cool. Um, and and yeah, those yeah. shout out, fine, yeah, shout out. I was just gonna say real quick, shout out to the stage design people because God knows the stress they were going through with all those moving platforms. And you have a, I know she was strapped in, but still, anything could freaking happen when you do that. And for them to be able to pull off some of the set things, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, engineering, so engineering. Yeah, yeah. it was really all engineering. Cool. Yeah. It was really cool. It was it was really a spectacle. Like that's the thing is like I've once you once you get rid of the belief that like they're doing it actually for the fans in terms of the music quality, which I've dispensed with a long time ago. You start to kind yeah. of just appreciate the spectacle of like. Mm-hmm the choreography and the maintenance and the engineering that goes into it and like the camera work and the lights mm-hmm. yep. that's just so insane and so difficult and like i appreciate it from that perspective goodell's gonna have to hire you for um enhance for promoting the halftime show because i think that's exactly the point at this point <laughs> and how did we like the commercials guys which one's really stuck out? i thought it was a really good year for commercials and the last few years was kind of just kind of there, but I really like the uh, roasted peanuts, the uh, popcorners, Breaking Bad commercial, um, and the trailers are all franchise movies. That the Tubi one was funny because everyone thought their yeah, everyone's TV screen got jacked up. That, that was funny. that was funny. Personally, I thought that I, I didn't get fooled by it because I use that stuff all the time. But um, you can account for Olsen and Burkhart's wonderful acting job. Yeah. It, it, that, that one was pretty funny. I, a lot of people were talking there the commercials, so I didn't really get to hear a lot of them, but the season, like, <laughs> the bad one was pretty yeah. good. Um, yeah, the 2 one I think, was the funniest one where everyone was like, what the hell's going on? And we're all like, it's it's, it's a commercial. But to see other people on, like, social media's reaction to that um, yeah. was pretty funny, I don't have to say. Speaking of Greg Olson, kudos to him. You know, he's only been broadcasting, like, two years, and mm-hmm. he made it to the Super Bowl already. So, uh, good, good job on him. And he's allegedly taking a, a, he's taking a pay cut when Brady shows up, supposedly, and then going down to the second team. That's what he's supposedly doing. So Because Brady needs all that money. Yeah, exactly. So, supposedly he's getting a pay cut. They, I, I guess probably was like, okay, you get to do the Super Bowl. Now we're going to give you a pay cut once Brady shows up. All right, cool. <laughs> got it. All right, thanks, Greg. That's what I, how it went down. Oh, God. My, my, my leaning on that, though, is that, Brady's not going to even all that money that they're going to throw at him. It's not going to last him more than two years because when you have that kind of appetite, like Jordan does, that kind of job is too cushy. That doesn't satisfy you. Yeah. yeah part well, of me thinks like, he's going to yeah. back, back out of that. I really do. He said he's not going to do it at least till 2024. Yeah. I just feel like he'll just say, yeah, I'm good guys. There's like, there's guys that are perfect for that, but that's just not him. I feel like it's a professional golf career. Yeah. I was going to say, it's going to be like the, I feel it's going to be like the Romo effect where like he just starts off so white hot and then he just goes into cruise control. Like everyone's now like supposedly I heard some reports like the CBS execs, I think were like saying that like they were having a meeting with Romo about this year because like everyone was like, Oh, he started off so great. And everyone's like, what, what's going on? He's just kind of just like there, like it doesn't seem like he's, you know what's crazy? Or he's just going into like the typical, like he's going to the typical broadcaster of like being impressed by all the quarterbacks and loving every single moment of them and not like analyzing the game like he did when he started. 
I know what the, I know what I know what this is calling for. It's a play for my boy Kevin Harlan to get in there for the permanent position. <laughs> yeah. He had an awesome Westwood one call. He did some clips there. Yeah. Oh That's yeah, he's cool. got yeah. he's got some greatest hits. <laughs> Thank you. And I think, um, but Alex, did, did Alex Ranelli, you weren't feeling the uh, commercials or eh. what you saw? Just like, yeah. I don't know. I I come from a marketing perspective, so like I just see them for what they are. Just cameo uh, fields. Uh, um, yeah, I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy there wasn't a lot of crypto commercials. Remember last oh, year? Yeah, yeah I think year I heard of four crypto. of them got backed out after the FTX <laughs> yeah. collapse. Yeah, I was just like, I, yeah. last year was just all just getting crypto thrown at us, and this year was like, yeah, let's uh, tone it back after FTX. So I wanted them to like, I wanted them to poke fun. I want you know, like uh, there's the other websites like Crypto.com, which are like the multi trading platforms. I wanted them or like Robinhood or something to have like this one where it's like they have him like bound and gagged up and tied up in the Bahamas and it's like and then Epstein's in his and is in his boat, he's waving hello. <laughs> like just something crazy over the top. It's like, am I seeing this? Am I out of the matrix? Oh boy. <laughs> one of these days they're gonna get um ballsy enough. One of these days. No, never happened. Never happened. <laughs> oh man. Well, guys, I think that wraps everything up. Yes. Put a bowl on Super Bowl fifty seven. We'll check back in, not next week, but the week after to wrap up this NFL season and officially start the next one. And then we'll start a road to Las Vegas, guys, in Super Bowl 58. Will Alex's team be playing a game there? Nope. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. I had to. I had to. I had to. Who knows? Well, be we, the truth teller. We got we gotta see what Rogers does out of his darkness yeah. retreat, I guess, before we but, really uh, but, dive into anything. That's gonna be but an emergency former, podcast if he goes to the Jets, by the way. Be prepared. But a po- but a soon to be former Raider quarterback could be in the Super Bowl. And that's that's that that might be, you know what, the best icing on the cake for Alex. Just a so slap in the face yeah. to the organization. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. I would well, love the every Giants second of it. Get their shit together, find that special receiver, and will they and represent Shane, the NFC? It's Shane we trust. Will Jerry Jones know how to be a GM and actually have a good offseason and actually bring my team back from the ashes of the 90s? Never. Nope. Exactly. Will Maher Maher hit the goalpost? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. As you can see, so much high expectations for our team. But it'll be fun. (laughs) We'll wrap up the season in two weeks, and um, we'll start some more great content in a new chapter. Thank you, gentlemen. Brian, Alex, and Alex. Much love, guys. We'll see you really soon. Peace out. I love talking about Super Bowl 57 with my guys. Alex, Alex, and Brian, great job, as always. We did it. We covered every single game in the NFL this season, and we completed with a Super Bowl that will be remembered for a long, long time. I can't wait to recap the season with you guys next week. And then we'll go focus on next season. The offseason starts now. The new season of football has officially begun. So let's start the road to Vegas in Super Bowl 58. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdcomoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. And thank you to Dolo Ren for making all that content possible for us. So as I've been saying for a long time, we are getting back to regular programming for this podcast. And that means on this Thursday, we have Hayden Nadler from the Settle the Score podcast coming on to talk all things sports with me. Then next week, we have our 200th episode. That's right, 200 episodes of this podcast will become official next week, a week from tomorrow, Tuesday the 22nd. We have Danny Lynch, my brother for life, who was on the 100th episode, now the 200th episode, so we're going to start a tradition with him. Sirius XM's Danny Lynch is coming on the podcast 
next week, this Tuesday, for the 200th episode of this podcast. So a lot of exciting things ahead, a lot of in-studio shows to showcase, and a lot more after that around the world of sports, news, entertainment, and culture. So let's start a new chapter for this podcast, and let's continue to entertain, inform, and inspire you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world. Thank you to Brian McKeon, Alex Young, and Alex Ranelio for what they did contributing all season long. Thank you for another epi- great episode today. And thank you to Alexander DeJesus, a.k.a. Dolo Ren, for producing the online content that we see every day on our social media platforms. And thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for tuning in every single week, whether listening to the pod on a podcasting platform, watching us on YouTube, or checking out our reels on social media. Thank you for all you do in supporting our show. And we'll be back with you at the end of this week. And until then, continue to do well, prosper, do the right thing. Don't forget to check in on your friends and family. And let's make some big moves here in mid-February. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. And I love each and every single one of you. I will see you on Thursday. Peace. All she needed was some.